Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. Good afternoon and welcome back to The Scope. My name is Melody Young, and I'm a third-year DOPHD student here at NYITCOM, and I'm so happy to be back hosting another episode of The Scope. What is the DOPHD program, you may ask? Well, you're in luck, because today I'm joined by a panel of medical students very near and dear to my heart. Please help me in welcoming my colleagues of the DOPHD program and our program director, Dr. Michael Hajiaguru. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. I'm going to first let my colleagues introduce themselves and tell us each what year they're currently in. Hi, I'm Dan Tanis. Um, I'm a current fourth year, so four out of seven. It's kind of weird to say that, but... Hi, my name is Charlie Kim. I'm a fourth year, same as Dan. And yeah, whenever anybody asks which year we are at, we are kind of like stuck between two and three. So, but we are in the second year of the PhD program. My name is Navjot Guru. I'm a second year medical student. My name is Kelly Borges, and I am also a second-year medical student. All right, awesome. I'd like to start our conversation by giving our listeners a bit of information of what this program is about. So Dr. Hajiaguru, can you tell us a bit about this program and its mission, its goals, overall benefits? Thank you so much, Melody. So uh, the mission of the program is to be able to train physician scientists, right? It's very important. Uh, first of all, there is a need for physician scientists. And as everybody knows, training to be a physician and training to be a scientist are two different routes that you can take. So combining the two, we are able then to train you guys as physician scientists so you can go out there and work at the intersection of medicine and life sciences, basically. So that's the goal of the program, to be able to train physician scientists. And how did you become interested in directing this program? I mean, I know you already are a professor, you're also the chair of the biology department at NYIT at the undergrad level. So how do you, where do you find the time to also add on this title of being a director? That's a good question. So when I came to NYIT in 2012, there was no PhD program. And uh, in discussions with some of my colleagues at the medical school, we determined that the best way to move forward to get a PhD program is to actually do a combined program at the medical school. So, you know, a number of us decided to work together to put together a proposal to start the program. And I had, in my previous job at uh, Stony Brook University, I was the graduate program director of a PhD program uh, in biomedical engineering. So obviously I had the experience to be able to run a PhD program. So um, that's how it came down to it in becoming the program director here. And now you're here. Yes, here. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of prospective applicants are on the seat of their chairs. They're dying to know what do they have to do to get into this program. So what is something that you and the committee look for when you guys are selecting applicants? So we are looking for obviously high academic achievement in their GPA and as well as the MCAT scores. But we're also looking for research experience. Right. It's important that because this is an accelerated program, that students come in with some research experience. So this way they already have a head start. So that's something that we look forward. It doesn't necessarily mean that the students must have 
publications, you know, published uh, research work. It doesn't have to be like that. But as long as they have spent a substantial amount of time in a laboratory conducting research, then obviously uh, it's something that we look for. Awesome. I think all the potential applicants will really benefit from your advice. So thank you. Whenever people find out that I'm in this dual DOPHD program, the first reaction is always, that's so long. Like, why are you putting yourself through another three years of school? Because you don't need a PhD to do research. I mean, there are doctors who conduct research at medical institutions without this extra degree. So why are, I want to ask my colleagues, like, why are you putting yourself through another three years? Like, why do you feel it's beneficial to you and to society to do an actual PhD? That's a great question because, uh, well, it's just a great question and I also get asked that all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it comes down to your perspective on the research you want to do and how you want to do it. Um, to me, a lot of the DOPHD program is um, having the opportunities to focus only on research and to focus on uh, building your skill set to do that research so that you can lead um, breakthrough research later on in your career. Um, if you're doing this just without the PhD and just as a DO or an MD, you don't really get that uh, clear experience. Um, you can get that experience, it's possible to, but it's much easier to do it within an accelerated three-year program like this, um, especially if you know that's what you want to do. Yeah. Charles, how about you? Yes, so I feel that having a PhD is having additional skills. Yes, you could do like Dan says, as a DO or MD, you could do research, but Many hospitals, especially teaching hospitals, want uh, physicians to research nowadays. And many, my, many of my colleagues who graduated um, this year also, some of them takes a year in just to do the research before their residency. And even during residency, take, take a year or two just to focus on research. So as a physician, like Dr. Hajagir was saying, as a physician scientist, you already have that experience, you know how to set up an experiment and how to connect with the clinical side while if you start your research as a just a D or MD you're learning as you're doing it so we already have the learning experience behind us and we could start our own experience and make more contribution to the research at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also just worth noting for context that the average time it takes to get a PhD is about six years, right? So this truly is an accelerated program. Um, being given the opportunity to complete that in about half that time, um, of course, our preclinical first two years in medical school also do contribute to that. But it is a massive opportunity for somebody who is interested in pursuing research as a physician considering that it's just an extra three years, if this is truly what you want to do with your career and you are really invested in advancing, you know, the science behind medicine. And I mean, that's how medicine expands is through continued research. So if that's really one of your career objectives, it's absolutely a program you should consider. As they mentioned, um, that it's the formal training that we're going to get to figure out all the um, research that we want to do or um, what field that we want to uh, go into. And also being in the program, we are actually going to get trained for uh, grant writings and also how to uh, how to publish papers, which is um, something um, that is going to be very, very beneficial to be a physician scientist. I think you guys have captured it. 
obviously the training of a PhD student is different than the training of a medical student. And if you want to conduct research, then my recommendation is to get a PhD as well. As Kelly said, you know, physicians can conduct research without a PhD, but having the PhD training, uh, I think you, you have an advantage of someone that hasn't had one. I think maybe all of us went to this talk. There was an alumni who came and she spoke on Zoom with us. And I remember one of the things she said like hit me so hard. And she said something like, three years is gonna pass anyway. Like time will pass anyway. So you might as well do something that you want to do and like propel yourself into a field you're interested in regardless of how much time it takes. It's not how fast you get to your final destination because there shouldn't really even be a final destination. You should always be looking to improve yourself and continue learning. So I thought it captures what this program is about. I really like what she said. And can I just add one other yeah, thing? Yeah, absolutely. Which is basically that as a physician scientist, you also have the experience of being in the clinic and looking at patients and identifying some of the outstanding problems that exist in the medical field. And then you can take that and take it into the lab and then address that need in the lab because now you have the experience to be able to carry out the experiments to address that. Exactly. I feel like we really are at the junction of like clinical and like basic science research. So we're like bridging that, that gap. So a lot of people might not realize this, but when we add three years to our medical education, we don't actually graduate with the same class that we came in with. We graduate with a class that hasn't even started at medical school when we start our research years. Um, so I've always heard that the friends that you make in medical school are like the ones that last. And so I'm wondering to Charles and Daniel, our fourth years, how has it been like dealing with the fact that your classmates are probably either residents, not residents, rotating now, or gonna graduate soon, and do you still keep up with them, like the social consequences of being in a program like this? Yes, um, like you said, the friends you make in the medical school, yeah, they last a long time. My friends that I made like on first day, you know, they're my closest friend. And actually my class, they graduated just last month, like two months ago. So they're on, up in, they went on their way to their residency, but, um, Dr. Hajagiri was saw too, but they will come to school whenever they come to school. They know I'm in school, so they'll call me. We play basketball, and we hang, we still hang out. And then you actually get to hear a lot about like different residency rotations and how their residency application process was. So that's like a really close um, firsthand experience that you could hear from your close friend, so that could benefit you benefit you in the long run. Yeah, you make a good point. Um, it's definitely difficult um, starting med school with a group of people and then you kind of separate paths a little bit. So it's it's weird that I'm going to be graduating with the incoming class of 2025. So there's like, <laughs> I feel like I've done so much med school already. Like, <laughs> this is strange. But you definitely can keep up with uh, the friends you've made. Like Charlie was saying, you see them around here and there. Sometimes we, we're on like rotations in the clinic with them. And of course, there's more opportunities to be made and more friendships to be made in the PhD program itself, which I think is super val valuable. I mean, Charlie and I are pretty great friends now because we've, it's kind of trial by fire. But um, yeah, you so don't really the, get to choose. But. Yeah, well, yeah, so, but um, it's yeah. Family is what them. you make I'll of it, them. right? <laughs> if we make other like a lot of new friends like you guys, I would not have known you guys if we haven't were in the PhD program. And as a PhD student, we do one class with the scholars 
during the spring. So you get to know the scholars too. That's what I was thinking too. Like even though we don't graduate with the people we come in with, I think we leave with a new set of friends, like and people who've gone through the same thing you've gone through. It might, it might be even more meaningful than the friends that you had from medical school because we not only go through med school together, we go through a grueling graduate program together. And we go back out into the, into the medical field. So I think overall it won't be the worst thing yeah, to graduate exactly. three we'll years late. <laughs> people who we can cry with over failed experiments. Exactly. So, you know, <laughs> we're spending like 10 hours in a lab together just waiting for <laughs> Westerns mm -hmm. to develop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And there's one other issue. Uh, as a PhD student, you get to spend three or four years with a professor in a very close and intimate setting, basically, and you get to develop that relationship, and that's a lifelong relationship. And your mentor will always be there for you, no yeah. matter what. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Even my mentor from college, I'm still in contact with her, and she said she's still in contact with her mentor from when she did her PhD. So this friendship is definitely long lasting. All right, let's talk some research. Daniel, you told me that you just proposed your uh, project and yes. I think that went well. Yes. And Charles has his coming up. Yep. So let's talk about your research interests and did your future goals, like specialty goals, goals influence how you chose what you wanted to do your research in? Uh, that's a great question. I guess I'll start off. So I'm really interested in neuroscience, um, just kind of broadly, and that's kind of what I chose in terms of doing research, and really what I've done in the past in terms of research. As far as specialty goes, that kind of leads me to go down to like a neurology route, although I haven't really stuck with that. Um, specifically, I'm waiting to do rotations to really make sure I try everything and give everything a fair shot. Um, so what I'm doing is some sensor motor control research um, with Dr. Isaac Kurtzer. We study how people make um, reaching movements and how we learn and plan those movements. And we're also studying now um, basically decision making in that context and how people um, make decisions in the face of complex options during ongoing um, movements. So Awesome. I think that was just enough for us to understand what you're doing, but not yes, enough for anybody to steal your idea. That's the skill that you learn <laughs> as, a, as a PhD student. And Charles, <laughs> how about you? My interest in this research started out with my uh, background. Um, I'm a U.S. veteran, I'm a, so, wow. and every time I go to the VA hospital, I see at least one person without an arm or leg, and, you know, they made a, you know, ultimate sacrifice. And as a veteran, and you know, that could have been me too. So I w always wanted to do something for them. And I have a battle buddy who I trained with who lost both of his limbs during the tour in Afghanistan. So I always wanted to do something, um, do something for them. And I got interested in the prosthetics. And while I was looking in, like prosthetics have been developing pretty fast in recent like decade but it's still in the early phase and feel like in order to improve prosthetics to work as like our own part of body, I think we needed a better understanding of our physiology and like skeletal muscle especially. And so I talked to Dr. Hazegiru about it and his research shows about musculoskeletal and like bone. So I got connected with him. So my research is uh, we are focusing on uh, 
uh, specific gene, which Dr. Hazegiro discovered in 2004, and we are creating a knockout version of a, in the mice model to see its effect on skeletal muscle development and function. That's really touching, and thank you for your service. Um, I think a lot of people forget that even though we are like scientists, that we are human too, and a lot of personal things that happen to us do affect the things we end up pursuing. So thank you for sharing that story. I appreciate it. And Kelly and Nav, uh, I call her Nav, but her name is Navja. Um, they're both rising second years and they've been doing their two summer rotations. And these rotations essentially are a chance for DOPHD students to get to know research mentors, learn new techniques, and also assess whether or not a lab is suitable for them. So ultimately, complete their dissertation. So tell me how your rotations have been so far and how have your areas of interest kind of influenced which labs you chose to rotate in? To give like a bit of a background, I actually took uh, two gap years uh, after my undergrad and I spent those two years as a full-time research tech um, to do research and also to make sure that research is something that I am interested in and can actually see myself spending seven years uh, doing a DOPHD program. And being in uh, at NYIT, I got the opportunity to do two summer rotations. And I did my first rotation with Dr. Dong Zhang, um, where we were working with ALT cancers, looking at the uh, oxidative stress uh, within um, the cancer cells. And we are using a new uh, CRISPR system um, to, to work on that. And my... I would say that the skills that I learned from my previous experience, they helped me a lot, um, considering data analysis, also the experiments that I performed. So they were very helpful and I'm learning every day. Uh, it's for four to five weeks of the of one rotation, but it's it can be intense, but it's also very exciting. And the second rotation that I'm doing right now, it's with uh, Dr. Hayotian Zhao, uh, where uh, right now I'm working uh, with some uh, tissue samples from the medulloblastoma and the choroid plexus tumor to analyze uh, some of the expression of the genes that we are knocking out with using uh, the mass models. And are any of these uh, professors research in a field that you're interested in pursuing in the future? Uh, I'm very interested in oncology, okay. and that's what I also uh, previously spent two years in. But um, I'm just I'm glad that we have three rotations. So I'm just doing two in the field that I am comfortable with, I guess. Um, so I am going to stretch my boundaries for the third one to learn something new and also that I can incorporate with the field that I'm interested in. Yeah, I think these rotations are really cool because you can do them in one that you're comfortable in, one that you definitely want to pursue, but you can also use it as a chance to learn new skills. Um, like I chose one rotation purely to learn how to use a microscope um, and to do all the data analysis behind using the microscope because it's a lot more than I had envisioned. But it's like a huge attribute because in the future I can apply this to any type of molecular sample and be able to visualize this type of things in 3D. So absolutely, I think these rotations are an incredible opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Um, I chose my rotations, the labs that I'm rotating in, based on the techniques that I wanted to learn as well. Um, so as far as a medical specialty, I'm not entirely sure where, <laughs> well, where I'll end up. But from the research perspective, I've always been interested in human aging and longevity. So I chose to rotate with Dr. Wei-Kong Kai and uh, Dr. Olga Savinova. And both of their labs deal with 
disorders and disease that occur with age. So Dr. Kai studies insulin signaling in astrocytes and how that relates to diabetes and Alzheimer's disease. And Dr. Savinova is studying vascular calcification, which we know occurs with age. Uh, but mechanistically, there's still a lot to learn there. So it's been a great experience so far. And I mean, from both mentors so far, I've gotten the um, consensus that the purpose of the rotation is really to see how your interaction with that mentor is going to be. And again, to familiarize yourself with techniques in the lab. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing I've heard from PhDs or like patient, not patients, or people who have done dual programs is like, you have to get along with your PI. Regardless, you have to get along with him. He is the person yes. who will be fighting for you. He is the person who will be, you. or fighting against <laughs> you, exactly. So <laughs> um, it's really great that we get to interact with these PIs for at least a month, see how we work with them, and then ultimately be making our last decision at the end of our second year. I want to end our conversation today by sharing a personal story about my journey to where I am today. I remember hearing the term MD-PhD or DO-PhD when I was in high school or middle school, not middle school, probably more college. But I would always think this isn't something that I would ever apply for. It's not something that I can attain because I feel like anybody who applies this was definitely winning like awards in high school for their research. They were definitely working like three, four years in a lab before they even applied for medical school. So when NYTCOM had actually gotten this program approved, I think it was 2019, because that's when I graduated, I was graduating college um, and, and I heard about it. I didn't even plan on applying for it, actually. Um, my dad, when he heard about it, he's like, why didn't you tell me, first of all? And I was like, well, I'm not qualified to be in this program, so why would I apply for this and like spend time writing an essay to just get rejected? <laughs> And he said to me, I still remember, he was like, you are smart, you are capable, you need to apply. And if the worst thing that happens is you get rejected, right? And you still get to be a doctor regardless, but just apply and see what happens. So I really do owe it to my dad for believing me and giving me that extra push when I needed it. So I'm wondering if anybody else also had that kind of like underdog attitude when you were thinking about applying for this program. Um, and if you have any advice for students who might also feel unsure if they should be applying for a physician scientist dual program. Nav? Sure, I can start. Just to tell a little bit my, about myself and how I got into research. So I actually the, um, finished my high school from India. So I came here uh, after finishing my high school and I was so new to the system of even undergrad that for a year I didn't do nothing because I didn't figure out how to get into a college. And research was something that I never heard about. So it was like, oh, what is that? And why do we even do it? Um, so I actually got uh, introduced to research through my organic chemistry professor who saw that I am interested in chemistry. And she's like, do you want to come to the lab and see how we do these things that you're learning in the books? And I was like, sure, I can do that. And we actually got like into a summer program. And then I was like, uh, okay, this is something that I'm really interested in. Um, but after the summer program, I graduated from uh, LaGuardia Community College and I went to Hunter College where I was like, okay, if I want to, research is something that is so new to me, but I want to see like in the clinical settings or something where I can relate the lab uh, basic science to the clinical care. And I applied to a program in um, in Memorial Sloan Cancer Center and I 
I got accepted uh, into a score program where uh, they choose uh, 25 students to perform the research. And I was really interested and I understood how that we, uh, as being a physician scientist, you can actually, like you are bridging the gap between the basic care and the clinical care. And you're taking the discovery that you might make one day to actually the bedside. That's how I got in. And uh, in order to uh, give advice to the prospective students who are interested in uh, DOPHD program here at NYIT, my advice is, is to just apply. You never know. And I was very hesitant to apply because I, I thought that whatever students were doing in their high school, I figured out in my junior year. So I only had two years to finish all the requirements that I could do. So just apply, don't hesitate and have the strong sports system because they're gonna push you to do it anyways. Definitely, the sports system is key. Yeah, it's scary when you like hear about people who are applying with these incredible pedigrees and you're like, well, um, I went to uh, SUNY school, I didn't do extra years in a lab and it's like, should I even apply? So I think that was really, really great advice and thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think the point here is if you really are interested in science and research and advancing therapeutic options for patients, consider a program like this. The only treatment options that we have out there are, they exist because of clinical research, because they've been validated through their, you know, the rigorous evidence supporting their use. And the only way that we can make more and better treatments is through continued (laughs) clinical trials. So if that's something that you see yourself doing and contributing to, if that's something you're passionate about, this is a program that you should consider. And do not let three extra years, four extra years, even six if you want to get a PhD after you get your clinical degree. Don't let that deter you because you never know, you might end up making the next big discovery. Absolutely. Dan, Charles, anything to add? Yeah, like I had that too when I was applying Although I did research during undergrad, I didn't have publication. So when I, when I heard about PhD, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna get in. But I, was, I had the same kind of thought, like Melody. So I was like, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? I just get no, right? So if I don't try now and be like, oh, I should have applied, I could have, till we see what happened. But instead of having those regret, I worked on the application, applied, and here I am. And I think having the PhD, the medicine is always changing. Like if we see how we, the medicine was being practiced like 10, 20 years ago, it's different. And all those changes are to, to make the uh, practice of medicine better. And big part of that is research and clinical research alongside with the heart science research. And having this um, dual um, medicine and heart science PhD degree helps you to see things a little differently. And when you see a problem, you know how to tackle it while others are thinking about, like they might see it too, but they might not know how to do it in steps, but you could have a, I guess, advantage of seeing it differently and knowing how to do it, at least like in the broad perspective. That is so key. It's just because as humans, we're not wired to think scientifically. It's something that you have to be taught. Our innate problem-solving tools are really just to recognize patterns in what we perceive to be the successful members of our species and to imitate those. So 
learning the scientific method is such a valuable skill and it requires constant application to not deviate from it and return to our, our natural ways of just pattern recognition and mimicking. So really being taught the scientific method and how to use that properly in this program and in other PhD programs is um, just such a critical skill for doing good work in this field. Yeah, I agree. I think more, even more valuable than all the lab techniques we learn, like how to do all that data analysis, like that's all really great. But ultimately, I think we leave here with a method of thinking and a way of being able to construct problems and actually create a way to solve them. And I think that type of thinking is something that takes years to develop. I mean, scientists today, I mean, I was just speaking to a PI the other day and he was saying, I'm still developing that skill. And he ha he runs a lab by himself. So I think it's a lifelong skill, but we get this training early on. And I think that will really benefit us in the future. Thank you all for joining me today. I really enjoyed finally meeting you all in person. <laughs> and also discussing some of our shared experiences. I hope our listeners got a snapshot of what it's like to be a DO PhD student and that we might have inspired a few of you to pursue a similar career path. I'd also like to thank Dr. Haji Aguiru for being here today. And like I said, other than being a director, he has many other titles. So we really appreciate you being here um, and taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. It's really clear from our discussion today that this unique program will have many benefits for medical students helping to advance research initiatives and ultimately positively serving our society as a whole. For questions about the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine DOPHD program, please email the program director at doPhd at nyt.edu. Thank you again for joining us today.